folks. All right. So I had go. So, okay. So uh, today on the podcast, we have uh, a good friend to me and a great member of Team GPT, Al Roth. Uh, he uh, is a two-time uh, national, I think, bench champion, right? Benson Jr., but they you know. Benson Jr. champion um, and a uh, registered you know. dietitian. So, um, Al, do you want to give a little uh, sort of background on yourself and why we think if you're the perfect person to have on this podcast about nutrition? Sure. So, I, um, I've been a dietitian <laughs> for a little under four years now. Um, I went to school at University of Rhode Island. Um, graduated from there. I did my dietetic internship. Every dietitian has to do basically four years of school plus a fifth year um, as a usually unpaid intern um, and then pass an exam before you can actually become registered. So I did that through Danbury Hospital in Connecticut. Um, I worked at Waterbury Hospital for two and a half-ish years, a couple years. Um, before I took a position, an internship with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, and that was last year. Now this year, I'm, I'm currently a, a minor league dietitian with the Rays. So I've been been in a couple different settings doing this this nutrition stuff. Nutrition stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I said to you right before we started recording, I wanted to kind of push that because there's so many people out there that are nutritionists, and it takes... Uh, nothing to be nutritionist. Uh, right now, Syed and I are both nutritionists. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There's lots of, there's people that know a lot about how to coach people and a lot about nutrition, but you have put the time, the effort, the money uh, into becoming recognized to actually do this, you know, as a living. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of nutritionists, you know, who are not actually registered dietitians that you know know their stuff, and they have a lot more you know research experience or anything like that than I do. But I think that the the registered dietitian part kind of gives us the ability to say we know how to. We might not necessarily you know know more, but we have the ability to say basically keep everybody safe. We're not doing anything that's going to harm them, which we see with a lot of people that are doing, you know, Instagram coaching, they're, you know, DM me for coaching. They can just give a person, hey, eat a thousand calories a day, you're gonna lose weight. That's not doing something that's gonna be sustainable and obviously not a healthy, healthy thing either. Right. So. And a big one with that too is like, you know, someone like me, so I'm a type one diabetic, you know, I yeah, I can I can waive anything but in and let and work with anyone, but Really, any someone who's just a nutritionist that doesn't have uh, the correct certifications like you do should not be working with someone like me uh, because I have a medical issue. It is not just eat less, move more. Uh, you know, they could they could tell me to jack up my carbohydrates to perform better, and then my sugar goes to shit, and it it actually makes it worse. Maybe I get sick from it. So, uh, I mean, even, no, even dietitians like if it's something that I'm not comfortable with or have not experienced before, I would refer out. I'm not like, you know, I've worked with some, some type one diabetics before. I'm certainly no expert in that, that condition, but for some certain things, especially, you know, eating disorders, if, if those are a real, really in-depth uh, conditions, then dietitians should be referring out to, to specialists. It's not something that we, you know, if we're not comfortable with it or if we don't have a lot of experience, it shouldn't be something that we're, you know, trying out, trying and experimenting with the, with the person. Right. 
And that, but again, that's something that like you went to school for these things where, you know, like I said, someone who's just saying I'm nutritionist might have zero knowledge. Right. Um, and maybe they're doing a couple Google searches to figure out what they should be doing for someone. Uh, and that's, that's a little, that's a little scary. It can um, be scary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll kind of try to lead into some of the questions we talked about. So, I mean, I know, you know, the, the bro, the bro model has always been eat at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, and it works. I mean, like there's nothing wrong against it. Um, but as, as a dietitian, you know, and if you're working, like we're going to talk more in the realm of powerlifters, we're going to stay away from, you know, type one diabetics or someone with a, you know, an eating disorder. But yeah, as a powerlifter, uh, you know, someone who's trying to get stronger, probably leaner, probably bigger, um, you know, we'll start with protein. How would you go about um, coaching someone? So protein is one of the ones that's basically – one of the, the macronutrients that basically stays the same. It's not something that's really going to be periodizing, adjusting up or down. Um, there's a lot of new research coming out, a lot of old research that says a lot of different things. Um, I'm more in the mindset of everything is probably moderate, and that's what a lot of the research is saying. Um, we certainly don't need to jack up, you know, people are consuming multiple grams per pound, and that's just unbelievably high. Um, and it doesn't leave any room for other nutrients. There's other things, there's things other than protein. We need things other than protein in our diet. Um, a kind of good rule of thumb to shoot for is about 1.7 to two grams per kilo. I do everything in, in kilograms. Um, that's what a lot of the research is anyway. So it about, should be, it's fine. Yeah, yeah 1.7 to two grams per kilogram is pretty good and kind of on the higher end um, for the most part. I would say most people should not be above that. There are certain times where you can do more than that. Um, specifically, if you are in periods of really heavy training, or if you are trying to um, lean out, lose some some, and try and maintain the muscle, then you might have a little bit, you know, a short period of time with uh, higher amounts of protein. But for the most part, that's that kind of 2.0 grams grams per kilogram is not necessarily a ceiling, but many higher than that is, is usually not as effective. So, um, so like you said, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so, and then in terms of, you know, consuming that throughout the day, the, I know, you know, back in the day, it was always, you have to make sure that you're loading in the protein after your workout, you know, that anabolic window. Um, but now the majority of the research is saying that it basically needs to be consistent throughout the day. So, Depending on the person, obviously, smaller people are going to need less protein, bigger people need a little bit more, but that really should be, you know, somewhere in the 20 to about 40 grams of protein per uh, meal every three to five hours or so is kind of a general guideline. Obviously, things are very specific and would change with certain people, but that's kind of a a general guideline is, is around 30 grams of protein every three to five hours throughout the day. So I guess like um, I just said, you know, before we started recording, you know, I saw some research that they said, you know, as as low as 0.62 grams per pound, which comes out to be like 1.4 per kilo, something like that. Um, You know, where you were just saying 1.7 to 2 per kilo. I mean, so that's a lot lower than I think a lot of people are probably used to, um, which I'm with you on that. We've talked about this before. I agree with you on that. 
Um, yeah, I'm the same. I agree with like, you know, keeping it pretty standard throughout the day, you know, having that big protein spike after your workout probably isn't that necessary. Um, but I'm also not that worried about people. Like if you do have that one huge protein meal, um, the, the, the thought that you're like wasting it, no, yeah, um, that your body can process it. Like so that's, the that's thing, silly. The thing that happens is basically once you get past a certain threshold and it's different in everybody is that, um, specifically leucine, which is the, the real, you know, um, I guess you'd say the, the anabolic kind of mediator, it allows, it's really the most, the most important, um, essential amino acid. And once we get past that certain threshold that begins to be oxidized and is not really doing its purpose. Its purpose is to help build muscle and, you know, maintain muscle and, and do a lot of other things. But once we get past that certain threshold, your body is not utilizing it the way it should be. So there is, you know, it's, it's kind of a point of diminishing returns. It's not going to give you as, as much of a benefit as, you know, that first 30 or first 40 or whatever it may be. That was exactly what I was going to say is diminishing returns. It's like at some point more is not better. Uh, there's, we could apply that to probably everything that we talk about in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's a big one because, you know, people, it's the bodybuilding thing, you know, the old school, like I said, you got to eat more protein. Right. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like I said, if you're, you know, maybe if you're trying to cut weight, you know, you're eating a little more protein, it keeps you satiated. So you're not as hungry. So you're not going to eat as much other stuff. That's maybe a good thing, but otherwise like, you know, you think about, I mean, you know, I've coached you for several years. Like when you're doing a powerlifting program where you're lifting, you know, maybe one or two heavy exercises per program. And then you're doing somewhere between four and eight assistance exercises where you're trying to get, you know, more, um, muscular growth, muscular endurance. Like if, what, what would you rather see than just, just pumping protein in all day? Well, it's really, it goes back to what I said before. It's, it's kind of the, my, my philosophy for the most part is everything in moderation. And that's usually referring to like, you know, if you want to have a piece of pizza every now and then it's not going to kill you. But, um, you know, we, we need to have protein. We need to have carbohydrates. We need to have fat. We need to have all the other micronutrients that come along with it. So it's not, we're not really focusing on one main thing. If, you know, that's one of your personal goals that you struggle with and you struggle with, getting enough protein, then that can be you know, one of your main focuses. But as a whole, we need to be aware of all of the different nutrients that we need in our diet, both for health purposes and performance purposes, because you know that's something that we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to sacrifice health for you know a right. couple weeks prior to a powerlifting meet. It's not, you know. Which I think, so I, like, I mean, for me, I, I think that leads kind of to like into where, you know, several years ago, the idea of, um, eating paleo or keto, whatever you want to think of it as basically low carb, um, you know, to try to, to try to be leaner, um, cut back on a lot of the, you know, the grains and things like that. Um, it, you know, it, the, I think the, the good thing is it got people to eat some different things. It got people to eat, um, some real fat. On the other hand, the problem was people started crushing fat right. and they were just living off of protein and fat. And, I mean, you want some carbs for performance. They're, they're skip. They're skipping over whole food groups. I mean, they're, yeah. they're completely eliminating. I think dairy is is one of the ones that are complete. That's completely eliminated. And then carbs. I mean, I think they're still getting depending on what uh, 
style, you know, style that they're doing, they're still getting some in, but they're really not getting very much. And if it's someone who's doing, you know, CrossFit is typically the, the big crowd that does it. And, you know, they're working out, they're working their butts off for, you know, a couple hours a day sometimes they need carbohydrates. And, and the thing is that the difference is there with strength, with, you know, with specifically strength at strength athletes, like powerlifters, we need our glycogen stores, you know, to an extent, but they don't need to be topped off like they would if you were doing, you know, if you were playing soccer or, or basketball and running up and down a field or court all day. So, but with CrossFit, they're doing a lot more of that endurance aerobic style stuff, even though they're, you know, mixing it in with the strength component as well. So they need a lot more carbs than, obviously based on body weight, everything's going to be different, but they need relatively more carbohydrates than, than most just plain strength athletes who are really, you know, doing a couple reps of an exercise and sitting down for three to five or seven or 10 minutes, depending on how long they're talking to whoever their training partners are. So it really, you know, it's, it's going to depend on, on your sport and your goal. But like I said, it's really, everything should be in moderation. There's no reason to be completely eliminating a food group, you know, unless there's specific health purpose, you know, reasons that it's happening. Um, but as, as a whole, like there's benefits, there's micronutrients that comes with those, those um, groups or foods that you're eliminating. So really there's, you know, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, both from a health purpose and a performance purpose. Well, I think that like, so again, I mean, and I'm going to kind of guess push you around a little bit in here, but like, you know, low carb, if you're not doing a lot of stuff, is probably not a bad thing. You know, if you're not expelling a lot of energy, then you probably don't need as many carbs as someone who's powerlifting or as you said, someone who's maybe doing CrossFit who's expelling even more energy. So they probably went the wrong way and had actually, you know, cut out carbs very low, um, you know, and ended up going, like I said, going toward like, you know, dumping coconut oil into their coffee. Um, and yeah, it, okay, it's cool. It's calories. It's getting some energy, but it's not the most efficient. Um, so, you know, that could be tough. And, but on the other hand, you've got like, I think coming over from the bodybuilding world where you've got some um, like refeed days where some powerlifters are following more of those uh like the nutrition cycling, the carb cycling in particular, you know, on days maybe that we're not training that hard, you know, their carbs are pretty low, but maybe on a high volume day, I mean, some of these guys are pumping like 700 carbs in a day, um, which I, I mean, I get the idea behind it, but like, I it just, I, I'm saying, because I like, uh, I like your idea of the moderation. Um, I think I mean, that's I, what I think, I think those, those days, you know, they may have their days depending on if it's a, you know, if they're at a, really high volume portion of their cycle or if it's an extremely high volume day i know you you know you i don't think there's any days that you specifically give people that would require that much but you know as a general rule you have your higher volume days and you have your lower volume days um and your your athletes know who they are or know what what days are what um and so certain like you said certain days are going to require a larger amount of carbs certain days are not going to be as much i i didn't leave my house today my apartment today I didn't need many carbohydrates. It's, you know, it's, a, it's as simple as that. And, and there's still, you know, I'm, I'm still getting in my, you know, nutrients in, in certain, in plenty of other foods, but in terms of what I expended today, it's not that much. So it would be the same thing for, for any other strength athlete or really any other, any other athlete. Um, if you're moving around a lot and you're burning a lot of car, burning a lot of energy, our body's preferred fuel source is glucose, which comes from carbohydrates. So, it would make sense that we need to be consuming a larger amount throughout the day. Yeah. 
Um, so how do you feel like on, on the opposite end then we, there are some pretty popular diet programs um, that will cut fat. Um, that's usually their first one to go because um, if you don't know much about nutrition, fat has nine calories per gram, carbs and protein only have four. So cutting one gram of fat is obviously going to have a bigger caloric uh, difference than cutting out protein or carbs. But I mean, I've seen some of these as low as, you know, like 10% of your total calories from carbs. And, you know, you're, you get a guy who's eating 3000 calories a day, you know, you're talking about eating like 30 grams of fat, 35 grams of fat. Um, now again, they're keeping their carbs high for performance. They're getting their protein in for muscle building and repair and everything. But now our fat is down. How do you kind of feel about that one? So that one, it's kind of similar. It has its time and place to an extent. Um, as a general rule, fat doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, an important role for power athletes. Um, you know, protein has its defined role. Carbs have, have its defined role. Fat, like you said, the one of the big benefits is that it's high in calories. So if you're trying to move up a weight class or if you're trying, you know, you're struggling to put weight on or maintain weight, then that would be a great thing to include. Um, you know, the, the other benefits really come from more of the health side of things where they um, provide, you know, essential fatty acids that our body needs, our omega-3s, which our body, you know, are heart healthy fats. Um, and then they also allow for the absorption of fat soluble vitamins, uh, A, D, E, and K. So we certainly still need some fat. Um, I do understand limiting it to an extent because like I said, it's not going to provide uh, a lot of performance related benefits, but the threshold is typically about 20% of your, your total calories. So anything below that, we, we try and avoid going below that in terms of, of uh, fat intake. The exception being if you are um, carb loading, which is usually reserved for endurance athletes, so it doesn't really apply for, for this population, or if you're cutting weight. So if you're in you know, the last couple of days, you know, it's, it's Wednesday and your meat is on Saturday and you're finishing up a weight cut, then it would be okay. Typically we say about up to 72 hours or so um, to consume less fat than that 20% threshold. And then after that, we you know want to kick it back up to its, its normal, normal intake, just so you're not really seeing any of those um, negative side effects that would come along with it. Cause if, if you're doing, you know, that really low, like you said, if someone was doing uh, 10 consuming 10% of their calories from fat for an extended period of time, they're going to see, um, you know, a lot of low energy availability, which is going to hurt their um, retaining their muscle mass. It's going to hurt. It's going to cause some menstrual dysfunction, uh, hormone disturbances. It's going to lead to uh, bone density issues. So there's a lot of a lot of things that can occur because of that that very low fat diet. If it's something that's followed for more than a couple days at a time. So again, it goes back to the moderation. If it's done infrequently, okay. If it's done for a short period of time, okay. But for the most part, as a general rule, it shouldn't be that low. It should be, you know, minimum about 20% of your, your overall calorie intake. I, I like that. I mean, I think of like when I was in high school and the only real information out was like the bodybuilding magazines. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure for probably about a year uh, leading up into my college career for baseball, trying to get in better shape, I basically had like chicken and broccoli. Uh, you just pounded the, the protein just just pounded protein and like you know kept the the carbs were real low but fat was like i'm not even sure fat existed 
because it was always like you know skinless chicken breast mm-hmm. um and i i know oh, like for the big, I, at least for me like when my joints would hurt like just it would like i just felt like creaky and like i was like 18 like i'm creaky now but like at 18 you shouldn't mm-hmm. like like you shouldn't feel like crap at 18 like but it was just because i think my i'm not even sure like i probably had 15 grams of fat a day yeah. and that's that's another one of the the you know health and that one is actually more related to performance than most of the other things that i mentioned that's that's directly related to performance if you feel you know if your your shoulder and elbow feels like shit you're not going to throw that well that day right so i mean and i i like one of the reasons that i wanted you to work with uh the team and you know because you had you had started doing nutrition coaching outside of the clinical setting uh, was with us with some of our athletes was that I know that like I said from before you've got that background that is more advanced than most people and as you've been saying over and over like the moderation I agree with you on that I think just kind of staying the line and with you know small ups and downs is a lot better than just going you know right. full bore one way which I think powerlifters and athletes in general want to do that you know people read yeah. something and like oh my god this works and like they, they go low carb and Right, they're, they're looking for the, the magic pill or the, right. the most effective thing. Where really the most effective thing is is small, consistent changes that you can sustain for a long period of time. Right, and I think one of the things I liked a lot when you started coaching some of our athletes was that that you were asking how much fiber they were getting. And I remember reading like years ago that you know the average American um, only gets like ten or twelve grams of fiber a day, where they're supposed to be getting like twenty-five to thirty-five. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, wow. And then I talked to you about it. And, and then I read, you know, as a, as a type one diabetic, I'm supposed to be even eating even more than that. And I'm like, Oh, that's, I'm not even close. And I was thinking about it and I've, I can't remember another nutrition coach, um, even really talking about fiber when it comes to, it's always protein, carbs, and fat, right. but fiber has a huge play on a lot of these things. I know I'm pushing you off our original topics, but like, you know, the, I, you were the first one I think that like really made me start thinking about fiber again and having more people uh, use it because I mean, like, people were they, they just weren't getting it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's one of the the things that's kind of not it. Like you said, it's not the the front of our minds when it comes to performance, but when it comes to being healthy and really. The majority of fiber containing foods so vegetables whole grains fruits those types of things are going to have a lot of the micronutrients that we need as well so you're kind of getting you know it's two birds one stone type of a thing where you're getting in that fiber which is helping to you know provide uh, some healthy bacteria in your gut it's helping to, to um, benefit that gut microbiome and it help your digestion and your absorption of nutrients. And with those same foods, you're also getting, you know, your vitamin C, your B vitamins, your, you know, iron, your zinc, your things that you might not be getting as much of normally if you're just focusing on protein, carbs, fat. Um, and, you know, I think that that is something that it's not necessarily going to make, you know, monumental differences, but if it helps you to feel better and it helps you to, just, you know, not have, not feel as sluggish because, you know, we, with, with fiber helps to um, decrease the, the absorption time of our, of our glucose or decrease the, the digestion, excuse me, um, time. So, sorry, increase the digestion time. So it's slower, you know what I'm trying to say. It's a slower release. 
um, of glucose. So that means that we're not going to have that quick spike in blood sugar and then followed by a crash. It gives us the, you know, slow rise and slow fall, which is something that as athletes, we don't want to be going, you know, hypoglycemic, whether or not we have diabetes or any sort of, you know, trouble there. We don't want to be going hypoglycemic. It's going to harm our performance. So it kind of has a, a back ends um, effect on performance, just making sure that we're keeping things steady and, and kind of going on the right path, as opposed to just focusing on those, those big nutrients that we know have more of a direct effect. Um, but it's just, you know, one of those things that we're trying to, I'm trying to keep everybody healthy and everybody should want to be, you know, keeping themselves as healthy as possible. Um, so, you know, like you said, a lot of people are not even close to what they should be consuming. So I always say, let's start slowly. Let's get, you know, one other meal. So, you know, if someone was, was eating a, a one salad a day, like, okay, let's continue with that. Let's get fiber in one other meal. Let's get it in, you know, your, your dinner in a snack somewhere other than that one meal. So we're slowly increasing it just to, um, you know, try and avoid the issue of going from no fiber to tons of fiber, which would lead to some significant uh, GI issues that we all want to be avoiding. So definitely that slow increase and slow kind of steady uh, steps in the right direction is, is where you want to go specifically with that fiber. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, like I, I like, I just like the idea a lot because like you said, the micronutrients too, that's another one that like you hardly hear anyone ever talk about, but they're, they might not be as important for performance, but like you said, they're important for health. And I always think about like Dan John talks about like health is just the interplay of your organs. Like how well is everything working together? Like, are you healthy? And performance has nothing to do with that. Like, you know, you can see someone like David Wells who threw a perfect game and like was complete shit show of health. Um, but on the opposite end, you can have someone who's in great health but can't perform to any level. So I think both are super important. And like you said, like, if, you know, if we went talk to go back to like that low carb setting, you start cutting out grains and fruit because they're high carb. Well, the problem is now you're losing a lot of micronutrients. You're losing a lot of fiber. And unless you're just eating tons of veggies at that point, which I don't, no one does. Seems, seems unlikely. Yeah. Like you're, you're probably missing out a lot. So now you're, you're very focused on that performance or very focused on uh, the aesthetics of what, you know, comes from eating better. Uh, but you're forgetting the health aspect. And I think that get that gets missed in a lot of mainstream dieting, yeah. you know, either aesthetics is like the number one thing, like just get as ripped as possible and, you can do that in a lot of ways that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, or like I said, just, you know, load up on whatever and hopefully perform well. But I, you know, you're worried about the health too. And like I said, like if you're healthier, theoretically you should perform better. That's, that's uh, the thing is that, is that like, you know, you said that it doesn't really have any impact on performance and it doesn't have a direct impact, but if you're deficient in iron, it's going to, you know, decrease the amount of oxygen that's getting to your muscles, which means that your performance is not going to be as effective. That's more, more specifically for aerobic performance than, than most, but then, you know, for strength athletes, because we're not really relying on energy systems that, that provide, um, that use car, that use oxygen to produce energy. But generally, you know, if everything is working like it should be, we're getting all the nutrients, we're, you know, consuming a variety of different foods, and we're meeting our caloric needs, then 
our energy our energy systems, our organs are all going to be functioning as they should be, which means we're not going to have any of those negative side effects that might come if we were, you know, missing something. So it might not have the direct impact of, you know, directly performing directly with, you know, making us squat more, but it's going to remove the issues that might cause us to lift less or, you know, have tougher training sessions or something like that. So it definitely is something that should be, should be a bigger focus, like you said, in, in most people's diets. Well, and I think it is, we're getting better at least. Uh, you I, know, I, I mean, you guys are still a little young for this, but like the idea of, you know, the fat power lifter, you know, powerlifting for a long time was just get as big as humanly possible, whether that meant like, you know, just dousing your pizza and olive oil and crushing McDonald's because you just needed calories to get big because, you know, getting big lifts big weights and i get it like mass moves mass i get it but like at what point are you sacrificing your health in your life to be able to do something and that goes i bring up jim wendler a lot in this like wendler talked about you know when he squatted a thousand and i think he benched like 675 or 700 something like that and 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 deadlifts around the same at that point he was one of the strongest 275 guys around but he said he needed oxygen to walk up to the monolift and that's when he changed everything. And, you know, that's when five through one really blossomed. Right. Yeah. That's how the prowler became a big thing because he wanted to get healthy. Um, now I know he doesn't always eat the healthiest. He still loves his nachos, but like he, but he said like he did start eating a lot better than he used to. And, you know, if you go to power to meets now, um, even the bigger classes are not fat where like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, like a lot of, a lot of the classes were just, they were just fat. But now, I mean, you got guys that are 264, you know, 120 kilos that are lean. Yeah. Um, and even some of the big dudes, even some of the super heavies are still, like, fairly lean at this point, which is, like, you know, so right. different. For a 350-plus pound guy, like, if you're maintaining some semblance of lean, like, that's, that's impressive. Right. And then, like, what you're doing right now, at least, you know, working with the Rays, uh, you know, same thing, like, baseball – baseball was probably one of the slowest sports to kind of get with it with training and everything. You know, football was probably one of the first ones mm. and baseball for a lot of time. It was like, Oh, just, you know, play baseball, get better at baseball. As long as you're skilled enough, you can do it. Right. But now like you look at some of the, the top level guys, you know, the guys in the big leagues, and I'm sure you see them on the minors too, that are like just physical studs oh, yeah. Yeah. and then happen to be able to, you know, throw a baseball hundred miles per hour as well. But like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the old mindset of, you know, do whatever the hell you want off the field and then come on and play. That's certain that that's kind of going by the wayside and people are now focusing on the training, the nutrition, the recovery, the the sleep, the mental skills. It's really a, a kind of a change in, in that mindset that's been there, you know, for however long baseball has been around and we're really kind of moving on to that, that, uh, that new mindset and trying to focus on everything that we can control. So it's definitely, definitely very very different than how it used to be right which is like i mean you had said to me like how many teams five years ago had registered dietitians on the staff and you said even this year it's like it's still not everyone right i think every every team has one but there are not a whole lot of teams with two two they're starting to um become more popular but i don't think everybody's there and the Rays are at three with, with myself um, now as of this year. So it's definitely 
there's there's actually I know there's there's at least one team that I know that has a dietitian that travels with with every single affiliate. As, as well, when you think about that, I mean, there's most most teams have the big league team and then five or six affiliates. So you're you're talking you're, you're talking 100, 150 to two hundred athletes to Plus maybe rehab, to maybe rehab, one dietitian. You have um, like the the rookie rookie league guys. So right. Yeah, you have a lot of guys. Yeah, so it's baseball's finally kind of stepping up and getting a little bit better and trying to pick up on things. So that's good. Um, I think, you know, like I said, powerlifting is doing the same thing. Um, it just – people need to think about more than just performance. Um, Syed, do you have anything? You just – just a pretty face today? Let me run this. I'm in the middle of an acid trip right now. I know, I know. But, uh, no, uh, I'd say – um, a question that I would have was, say you get an athlete for the first time. Um, so what are some of the things that you're going to ask them or you're going to look for? And then based upon their goals, like how would you adjust, whether it be gaining weight, getting more lean, you know, and how would you approach that? Um, so the first thing I would always do, whether it's with a baseball player or a power lifter, whoever it may be, I basically get a, a history. So that includes a food history. Um, which might just be a 24-hour recall, which is basically going through their past 24 hours if it reflects a, a normal day of eating, just so we can kind of see, you know, okay, so this is what you've had in the last 24 hours. And most of the time I will then turn it to them and say, okay, what do you think can be improved here? Because I want to say, you know, I, if, if they're able to say, I should be eating more vegetables here, I should be eating more protein here, I should be eating less protein here, then they're already, you know, well on their way to, adjusting things and they just need some you know some little tips and tricks as to how to adjust do they know what to do just in terms of in how in you know order to implement it they need some assistance which that makes things very easy um other things that i would do would be you know obviously getting a medical history making sure there's no issues there or if there are issues that we are accounting for those when we're doing a plan um you know, making sure we get their goals and, you know, where, where they want to be. If they want to gain weight or lose weight, obviously that's something I need to know. Um, what their kind of attitudes and, and behaviors and beliefs about food are because, you know, you get somebody who comes in and they've been following a keto diet. They've been doing, you know, full floor, full bore keto for a while now. You're probably not going to have them on a high carb diet the next day. So it's something that, okay, so I know this is what you've been doing. You know, if they were receptive to my explanation of this is why I feel like we should start making some changes, I'm not going to, yeah, I would never almost, I don't think I, I can picture a scenario where I would change things you know, overnight. It would always be slow changes so that they're not overwhelmed with things and then kind of throw it out the window and say, okay, I, I, this, I can't do this. This is not realistic. I'm done. Um, so really, you know, trying to focus on those small things and, okay, this one thing is what I want you to focus on this week, this, this improvement, and then we will build off of that in the future. Um, I, you know, and then another thing I think specifically, eh, it really should be with everybody is, is seeing, you know, if there's any history of any sort of disorder eating, um, whether it's, you know, actual diagnosed eating disorder or concern or anxiety for, you know, about specific nutrients. Like if you're, you know, any high carb foods or pasta or, or, you know, starchy foods, if they make you nervous or, you know, kind of, you're kind of apprehensive about eating too much, too many of those, just, it's something to be aware of because like I said, in that case, we're probably not going to have, you know, a very high carb diet off the bat. We want to make sure that we 
understand the reason that we are consuming them, that they are, you know, not going to harm us. They're going to help us. They're, they're benefiting us. And then, you know, slowly implementing them and making them, you know, realize that, Hey, this is not something I need to be afraid of and really slowly building off of that and not, you know, not, like I said, not doing anything, doing a complete 180 and changing everything. Um, but that's really a lot of the, the changes and what is done uh, is kind of defined by what they, what they come with and what their goals are. And you really just being kind of able to adjust and, and help them accomplish their goals. And if I feel like their goals are, you know, unrealistic or if they need some assistance with maybe some more specific goals, because we want everything as specific as possible. We don't want to say, I want to get big. I want to, you know, I want to get bigger. Like, okay. What's your goal? What's your current weight? What's your goal weight? How are you going to do that? Are you going to like, what, what, you know, based on your current diet now and changes that we're going to, dis we're going to discuss, how are we going to do that? Are we going to add another meal? Are we going to add you know, two more snacks because you're not consuming anything between your, your three square meals a day? Are we going to, you know, do a smoothie in the morning on your way to work because you're, you know, skipping breakfast. So we're at least getting something in some more calories. Um, just those, those kind of things really, like I said, it just depends on what they come with and what their, their goals are and what they're receptive to, what they're willing to, to do, because, you know, I can, I can give somebody the, the, the perfect diet. This, if you eat everything like I write out here to the T, you will be, you know, IPF world champion next year. Okay. But if it's not something that they're willing to do, or if it's with all foods that they hate, it's not going to happen. There's, there's no point to it. So it's really taking, you know, their, their preferences and what they are willing to work with and implementing that into the plan and going from there. That's, that's kind of the, the really flexible part that always needs to be, be in the back of our minds is that, you know, we can, like I said, we can give you the perfect thing, but if it's not realistic and it's not sustainable, it means nothing. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help us. So. But I think, I think that's, most of your I questions. mean, no, I, I, I think that's really good because, I mean, that's it's all coaching psychology. Um, it's stuff that, you know, I deal with lifting all the time. Like, you know, first thing I'll tell people is, like, when they do it, uh, like a food blog with you, don't lie uh, because people all the time will tell you what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, you know, how do you make changes now? Like, there's got to be something that I don't know about because it's not working. when it, right. it's not like it, looks, it, looks, it looks like it's perfect. I'm like, okay, right. well, I have nothing for you. Yeah, when someone says to me their max is this, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I did that three years ago, uh, but I programmed off of that current max, and I oh, killed broke my back." Yeah, you know, like so. I, but what you're talking about is, I think it's good because it's it's meeting the person halfway. It's you're not trying to just be like, "No, it's my way or the highway." You're trying to say, "Okay, take what you do. We're making some small changes, and then build off of that. Build progression. Have some success. When things start working." let's add more, let's roll from there. Like it's easier to have one goal and smash that and do really well and then move on to the second one than to do 10 things at once. Right, yeah, it, it overwhelms and then it's not, it's not gonna happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna fall apart. So I, I said, I think, and like I said, I think a lot of people do know what they need to do. You know, if they're gonna give you their food log and you're gonna be like, you know, what, you know, what do you, what do you think you can do differently? And they're gonna be like, well, I probably shouldn't have done this or this. They have a pretty good idea. More they just need that. to know they need to know how to implement it. They need someone to be held accountable to, and right. they just, and they need some tips and tricks because like sometimes like I'm a good example, like I, breakfast is not my thing. So like we've been doing smoothies lately because like it's easy, you know, mm -hmm. dump it at the blender, 
and then just drink it. Otherwise I'm just going to go to work like on a coffee. Yeah. Um, the rest of the day, not as bad, but like, but when I have a smoothie in the morning, the rest of the day is going to be set up a little bit better because I'm not starving by like one o'clock right. and then just willing to eat whatever I see. Um, so I think that's a huge one. So I think, but like you said, like it's, I like that. I like that mindset of like meeting them where they're at because same idea. Like if you, I'm a very big assistance based coach for powerlifting, if you came from a truly SBD background and you haven't done assistance work and I cut your work down like that and give you all assistance, you're probably gonna have a freak out and not want to do it. So mm-hmm. they, they go hand in hand. We have to, like, this is something that's going to take some time. It's not a one month overhaul. It's, right. it's something that we're trying to build over time. That's going to be able to sustain for the long haul. And then things are just easier and like, it just becomes second nature. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what, I mean, I feel like that's, that's a common thing that we see with, you know, especially the younger power lifters is that they want to, like I said, they want to be IPF world champion next year that's, it's not going to happen. You can squat seven days a week. It's not going to happen. So if let's plan for 10 years down the road, you're healthy, you're competing at at worlds. Like that's, that's the the mindset you need to have. It needs to be not the overnight mindset. It needs to be the, if I do this for 10, 15, 20 years, where am I then? Right. Because when you're young, like, I mean, I'm, I was the same way playing baseball. Like I wanted everything right then because I wanted to be able to do the best I could, but now that I'm a little bit older, my priorities are different because, you know, I have a family. Um, I want to be around longer for my daughter. Like I'm not thinking like, Oh, like I, I wonder if I can throw one mile per hour harder by doing this stupid thing. Right. Um, I think that's a huge thing that, you know, I think a lot of people just need a little bit of mindset change. Like I said, that coaching psychology. Um, so, you know, I, and we work well together. That's why we're on the same page. Um, so I had more or, like, or are we going to kind of try to, Rain this in. Uh, I mean, I, I had no. Uh, that's pretty much you guys answered my questions throughout the whole thing. So, good. all right. So I'm gonna say so. So let like just so we have one actionable thing. What would be one thing that you would think like that most people when they come to you, what would you want them to, to try to change? I know this is hard because it's all generalizing. I I hate it, but like you know, the, the, it, one thing came to mind. Like I, it's not gonna be something that's specifically performance based, but Basically what we tell, what you mentioned earlier, what I tell everybody, eat more fiber. Like okay. that is, that is the, the, I would say, God, I, I would say like 99% of people are not getting enough fiber, which means they're probably not getting enough, um, you know, nutrient and the micronutrients that come along with those, those nutrient dense foods, which means that they're likely to be deficient or, you know, when, when people are, I think, especially with powerlifters, if we're trying to stay within weight classes, a lot of people are really trying to overly restrict their caloric intake, which, you know, might work for the, the weight that they see in the scale, but it doesn't work for making sure they're getting enough of those micronutrients and making sure that they, they, you know, are, are consuming enough of them or their levels in their body are not, are, are not sufficient. So if you're able to consume more fiber slowly, not increasing overnight, but if they're able to do that, they're likely to be getting more of those micronutrients and really just starting off with a, a healthy change as opposed to, you know, something that's going to be difficult to implement or something that's going to take a long period of time, just slowly, you know, one, one meal a day for the next week, one more meal a day than usual, consume something with fiber, whether it's, you know, something is some throwing some spinach in your, your eggs in the morning, you're getting, you know, it's not, not a huge amount at all, but you're getting something in that's going to help 
benefit you in the future. It's nice. It's good. I think I made a post about veggies and fiber like yesterday. You literally did. And so I, do you have I, any uh, like things you want to shout out? Social media, business, anything? How do we reach you? How do you reach me? Well, I think, oh God, I don't know my Instagram name. Um, I think it's Al Roth one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone, someone, someone check on that for champion. Um, I don't it's not be in the description below. Whoa. YouTube jargon. I don't have any of that. Um, yes, we'll add all that in so people can actually find you, but, and then, uh, and then website there. Yeah. There's the, the, my website is uh, a, www.a-1nutrition.com, I believe. Wow. I'm we'll double sure. check. We'll double check. We're, Don't we're we're gonna, check that stuff. Dear Lord. And your, e your email, I guess? Well, it would be the same. It would be the same, same Alex at a-1nutrition. Who the hell is Alex? Well, that's me. That's, you know, official. I guess when you work with a pro baseball team, you forget about the, you know, the, the little stuff. Oh no. Three time national trust champion. Trust me. I was never called Alex. Well, no, a couple people call me Alex, but most people call me anything that's Al and then something else. One of, one of our pitchers calls me Alvin. That's only, only Alvin. That's fine. Albus. I respond. Yeah. Albus. I respond. You know, I respond to anything that begins with AL. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. So whatever you want to call me, you want to, you want to send me a message on Instagram any pick a random name that begins with Al. Albatross is, is the one I'm most partial to. <laughs> Albatross. All right. Well, well if, if anyone's was, watching this and they are looking for nutrition coaching, uh, I'm obviously going to push our, our team dietitian here. Uh, so reach out to Al. Um, hopefully um, we'll have Emily. Uh, Emily is a precision nutrition certified coach. Uh, she's also works with us in nutrition. Hopefully she'll be joining us on one of these someday. Um, otherwise I think, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do more of these and do a little bit more nutrition stuff other than just me talking all the time. We do enjoy right. listening to you talk all the time though. I know. I talk a lot. You do talk a lot. This is true. All right. Thank you, Al. Thank you.